good evening, church. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you, and uh, I am glad, glad to be here together with you. Is it, can you hear me okay? Yeah, okay. No? Oh, there you go. Is this better? All right, there we go. Uh, I am glad to be here with you this evening, um, and if you will allow me, I'd like to go off, not go off, but I'd like to share with you a couple of rants um, that I don't think are helpful with the hopes that it will, we'll arrive at a rant that I do think is helpful. Can, can we do that this evening? We don't do that? We don't do rants here? Okay. Oh, there we can. Yeah, it'll be all right. So um, in, the, in, the church, in the church that I kind of grew up in, they instilled in me this very strong message that we ought to, we must keep Christ in Christmas, that Xmas is, is, a, is a pagan insertion and a deletion of what is proper, that we must keep Christ in Christmas every time that we say it, and that those who would greet us with anything other than Merry Christmas are actually our enemy and need to be defeated. And then I was reminded, or it was pointed out to me as I grew older, through some friends who don't follow Jesus, um, personal friends whom I know, and then other people who I have met um, by listening to their podcasts and things like that, have pointed out to me that, that Christmas as a concept, got along really well without Christ for a long time before we added Christ to Christmas. That the, the, There were pagan origins to this holiday that happened in the middle of the winter that, that celebrated the solstice, and so I thought, well, is this really a hill that I want to die on? I think, yeah, it's important to remember the reason why we gather. We've, in this season, paused our lives and come together in a church building uh, a religious remembrance that, that there is something significant, something spiritual that happened in Christmas. Um, but maybe that's not the war I need to be fighting. I was then educated, for better or for worse, was educated. And, and so not only was it necessary for us to keep Christ in Christmas, but we also must preach Christ in his context. We have to remember the historical setting, and we have to remember that this happened in a foreign country, in a different place, in a world that we don't really understand. And so maybe some of the manger scenes, some of the details that we like to remember, some of the things we like to celebrate, didn't happen the way that we like to remember it. And unfortunately, because they're one of my favorite parts, the wise men probably weren't there on Christmas evening. They actually came a couple years later when, when Jesus was a baby. And so our nativity like, got cut in half almost immediately when we began to put Christ in his context. The wise men came a couple years later. But that's okay because there's all of these animals and it's out in a, in a barnyard. But maybe the animals weren't there because... In all likelihood, there wasn't even an innkeeper. It was actually the, the common area in a home because the way that the homes were set up, there was like a sleeping area and a common area. And then in the back for nights that it got cold or, or when they were concerned about their, um, their stable animals being stolen, they would bring them into the actual house and put them in a room in the back. And so they would have these stone-cut troughs that were really heavy that they would just leave in that back room. And so... Maybe they weren't even in a manger, or maybe they weren't even in a stable. They were in a house in the common area because the bedrooms were filled up and there were too many people in the house. 
and maybe they got you know, the animals space, and so the animals may or may not have been there, but they did use the feeding trough, but it wasn't wooden and rickety. It was probably stone, because that's what they used in the area. And so what are we left with? <laughs> why, why celebrate? Like, what, what is it that we're left with if we're going to do all these things that I've been taught are important to do? I think it's important to keep Christ in Christmas. I think it's important to preach Christ in his context. But the more difficult thing, the thing I wish that they had taught me how to do is how to take a symbol that we know and put flesh on it. We're a people that, if I say the word nativity, there's something that comes to mind. There are, are, are pewter pieces on the, on the table out there, and I'm, I don't mean these to be critical, but just that this is a symbol that we're familiar with, that we're comfortable with. We walked into a church and saw it sitting out and didn't think twice about it. So how do we take a symbol, and how do we put flesh on it when we're just so familiar? What are we left with when we preach Christ in his context at Christmas? We're left with a young lady delivering, delivering her first child with her fiancé in a time of political unsettling. And what's special about that story? Political unrest. Anybody, anybody familiar with political upheaval and unsettling? Anybody familiar with feeling like, what the heck are they doing up there in the Capitol? And even, even the, the fact that there's a young lady with her fiancé, which maybe at one time in one season of, of human history would have been unsettling, like to us, that's actually pretty common. It's not unusual. And women have their first kids all the time. Young ladies. So what, what's special about the Christmas story? Look with me in Luke chapter 1. And if you'd like to use your, uh, the blue Bibles that are here, um, I'll tell you the page number in one moment. They're either under your chair or under the chair in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible and would like one, then I encourage you to just take this one home. Um, it's our, our gift to you. We think it's important for you to have your own copy, so just take, put your name in it right now and take it home with you. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 on page 1068. Page 1068 in these blue Bibles. And I'd like to look at verse 46. In the day when this young lady learned that she would be pregnant... Not by her fiancé, but by God. This was her response. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. 
He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the empty he has sent, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Um, not exactly our response as a couple, even to a positive pregnancy test. There's joy here, yeah, that's, and that's, maybe that's appropriate, but she's uh, pregnant in a time where it's not okay for her to be pregnant. She's only engaged, and she hasn't slept with her fiancé. And yet God says, you're going to have a baby by me. This is going to be my son. And she rejoices greatly and tells of the awesome things that God has done. So even if we're familiar with the nativity story, there should be things in here that, you, that, that are kind of mm, maybe stickers, if you're paying attention to, sand spurs. I know you know what those are. Maybe there's a couple of sand spurs in this story that go, what is it that they're even talking about? What is this Israel thing? Who is this, who are our fathers and Abraham, and why does it matter at all? We've been going through together as a church body a series that we've called Tell Me a Story. And the idea is just like in this season where we're, we have these traditions of, of telling familiar stories, of rehearsing things that are, are, are known to us, sitting down in front of a fire and, and reading a storybook together, what would it be like if we curled up in God's lap and asked him to tell us a story? And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been going through what kinds of stories would God tell? And there have been different characters there have been Noah, there's been Abraham, there's been Moses, this morning was David. There have been different stories, and we've seen that, that God cares too much for his creation to be a remote controller. He's not, he's not just sitting back on the couch going, yeah, you guys, do, you guys sort it out. I started all of this, and now you guys sort it out. I, I don't, I'm, I'm done. The only done. God cares too much to be a remote controller. He's involved in what's going on in his creation, and his testing of us is meant for our greatest blessing. And the stories that God tells, the stories that God most wants to tell are stories about living relationships. Not about rules and regulations, but about walking together. People with God and people together. God's stories are about living relationships. And God tells this story with us, but it's always his story. There are elements of the manger scene, there are elements of the nativity that I don't think anybody ever would have made up. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, page 1069 in the Blue Bibles. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was, the house, he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, his fiancée, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in slaughtering clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. 
And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Some of us come to church occasionally. We're vaguely familiar with some of the stories. Oftentimes, Christmas time is a time where we do pause and remember, and we do acknowledge there's something spiritual that happens in this season. But I just want to point out the Sandspurs for you. If you're familiar with this story, I want you to feel the sting of the things that are not quite familiar. What is this song about Abraham and his descendants and this Israel thing? And and who is this David, the city of David? Why does David keep coming up? What, what, What are these things? And I would just like for you to know that God's story isn't told in one single setting. This is a time where we pause and we remember something significant that God, eternal God, would put on human flesh and he would be born a helpless infant. Like that is something to celebrate that that God didn't look down from his throne in heaven and go, you guys fix yourselves, but he would descend, he would kneel down in a similar way that he knelt down to form man from the dust, he would himself become dust, put on a body of dust that he might win us to himself. He cares too much to be a remote controller. He climbed in the TV to change what we couldn't fix. And that's something to celebrate. But God's story isn't told in one single setting. He's told it over thousands of years, and he's recorded it for our benefit. And so if there's something familiar here, I ask you, take a look at those sand spurs and dig deeper in what the story is. It's bigger than a small family. It's bigger than an unwed mother. Those things are true, and they help us to put on flesh on a symbol. But the story God tells centers on that baby. More than just a baby, Jesus the Savior, and the hope of all mankind. 
not just for old people in a, in a nation of Israel, but even for people like us. And so if you don't know him, I'd invite you to figure out who he is. The greatest honor would be for me to introduce you to him and to invite you to follow him. Whether or not the season was always about him, it is tonight. Would you pray with me? God, we need you. There's a sense in which we can get cleaned up and put on a show. There's a sense in which we've come to to have this celebration together, and so there's a structure and there's an order and there's a form. There are points to talk, but God, we are all just helpless without you. myself included. And so I don't proclaim these truths as one who created them or one who has mastery over them, but simply as one who's discovered them in spite of my own unwillingness to follow at times. So we need you, God. Would you continue to pour your grace into our lives and our failures? Would you continue to draw us deeper with you as we come to things we don't understand would you draw those questions out and would you show us truer and truer who you are would you help us to love you well and to love those you've placed around us to walk beside it's in your name that we pray amen Amen.